This episode of Weed and Grub at Hall of Flowers is presented by Smoking Paper. Smoking is one of the leading brands in rolling papers. You can find smoking on five continents and in more than 100 countries worldwide. Slim, king size, hemp, there's a smoking paper for every kind of roll. Smoking is committed to quality papers and respect for the environment. Follow at Smoking Paper on Instagram or go to smokingpaper.com. Smoking, roll with it. Hello. And welcome to Weed and Grub. Hey everybody, we are so excited to bring you a very special series of mini-sodes in partnership with Smoking Paper. Weed and Grub at Hall of Flowers. Hall of Flowers is an industry-only, highly curated trade show designed to facilitate the trade of premium licensed cannabis products in every category, flower, concentrates, edibles, topicals, and accessories. It's an incredible show that brings together the most innovative brands, retailers, and industry insiders to incubate the future of cannabis brands. We were so happy to attend and to speak with several leaders in cannabis at the event for this series. Here's our interview with Kellen O'Keefe. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? It's going amazing. We're, how are you? I'm doing so well here at Hall of Flowers. Thank you. How are you? Great. Yeah, we're coming live from Hall of Flowers today with our special guest. Would you please introduce yourself so everyone knows your name, profession, and life story? And <laughs> Sure. My name is Kellen O'Keefe. Uh, I'm the Chief Strategy Officer of Flower One, and uh, I've been a cannabis person for what I would call forever, uh, uh-huh. for a very long time. And uh, I've been been blessed to be a part of some really special cannabis businesses, um, you know, from MedMen to Cookies to Old Pal to uh, you know now Flower One, and uh, which again is gives me an ability to bring a lot of them together, uh, as we we are one of the industry's first seed to shelf solutions. So we provide uh, you know. Uh, everything so to speak uh and the first you know not everything from again all the way from the beginning of the plant's life and genetics all the way through to sales and distribution uh due to the way the nevada regs are are written so we provide brands an opportunity to come into the space and service both brands and retailers alike uh in providing that kind of first you know real white label fulfillment or option uh for brands in, in cannabis and it's a big part of what we're trying to do specifically in nevada specifically in nevada yes we're, we're really excited to announce other states soon but right now we're highly focused on nevada yes we've got uh the largest facility in the state it's a 400,000 square foot greenhouse uh with a 55,000 square foot production facility shit uh, as well as a <laughs> uh, state-of-the-art commercial kitchen that we're building uh about 10 to 15 minutes away Ooh. Um, wow. so that will produce uh you know, edibles and beverages and a variety of other products for some of the largest brands in the space. So we're, we're thrilled. Yeah. Can we come visit? You absolutely can. Anytime you want. Open invite for a tour whenever you guys want. That would wow. be incredible. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a facility that big. That's, that's absolutely enormous. Well, it, it, it is. And it's, what's interesting is we, you know, our roots are in, in large scale agriculture. Um, and so for them, this is a very small facility. It's actually about, you know, even though it's, it's large for cannabis, it's about 122nd of the size of 
of their greenhouses in California, for example. Can I ask about your story? Because I know you're one of the sort of like uh, original execs in the, in, the, in the legal cannabis industry. How did that happen? What's your background? Sure. Um, well, I've, I, uh, again, going back, always been a cannabis person, but I had a background in media and advertising sales and then ultimately experiential uh, and brand production. So when um, you say you were a cannabis person, you mean you always are like a consumer? Yes, always a consumer. And then in, um, what happened was I actually lost my father to pancreatic cancer in 2012. Oh. And that got me exposed to the medicinal side of the business or what I kind of say sometimes the lack thereof. Right. Um, cannabis was incredible as we tried to explore cannabis to cure my father that we weren't successful. But when it came to the palliative part of his, his life and, and end of life transition, um, cannabis was by far and away the most useful drug. And, and what he actually believed really allowed him to be himself in ways that other drugs like the painkillers and like the antidepressants and other things would, would ultimately not allow. And so, you know, seeing that was, was really an eye opener for me. Uh, and, and, made me think a lot more about the industry long term. And then it was really Assembly Bill 266 in California that gave a path to licenses and made everyone, I think, in California realize that the industry was going to be legitimized and you could start to see a path to having bank accounts and, and a real career. And at that moment, um, it was it was when I decided to join the industry full time. Uh, I've known Adam Bierman, the founder of MedMen, since the fourth grade. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, I love these stories. That's um, so great. And so, you know, having having been a cannabis person in his life, it was kind of a natural uh, natural partnership and, and based on what they were doing with the management company. And again, ultimately, uh, and, you know, MedMen had a really solid idea that, you know, cannabis wasn't, you know, as much magic as it was a lot of, you know, um, other industries put together. You had a lot of skill sets from, you know, large-scale cultivation, uh, food processing and manufacturing, uh, you know, um, and, and, and those industries I think you could you could take a lot from and you could find really talented people that um, would come and, and help, you know, elevate cannabis to that next level of, of professionalism that it needs to kind of scale the products and the businesses. And so, uh, you know, that's something that I think is, you're seeing a lot of today in the industry, right? Where you're seeing really talented people come from analogous industries and, and really add a lot of value to the cannabis businesses. I really like the idea that if I trust you as a person, I know that you are controlling everything that I might be interested in. So you make my life very easy to like do the best I can. Like that's what Flower One really sounds like to me. Well, that, that is, that's the goal, right? Trust in cannabis is actually what we're looking at as, as potential slogan of ours. We get a little head, head oh, wow. tip on that. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I think that means a couple of things, right? Uh, you know, trust in cannabis and the plant itself, right? Because we do believe in the plant itself and the powers of the plant and, and what it can do if, you know, if respected and you stay true to the plant. Um, and then also, you know, I think there's a tremendous lack of trust in the supply chain of cannabis. Straight right? up. And it comes from years of black being forced to be in the black market and in the dark. Um, I think, you know, the people have not invested in facilities, have not invested in cleanliness and professional things. And, and, you know, and, and a lot of that was because they didn't have a choice. Um, but as you know, as the industry evolves, uh, I think, and, and we look at times we find ourselves in now, even with, with the, what I'll call, you know, vape gate, right? And right. We, we see that um, a lot of that is not licensed producers, it's black market products and it's products that are made, um, you know, not using the best methods or the best, you know, filling, you know, uh, materials or, or cuts. And so 
I think this is an incredible opportunity to push cannabis legalization uh, a step forward and, and make sure that people get safe products um, and that yeah. are clean products that are tested and, and grown and produced and, and manufactured in a way that you would want your something that you're you know ingesting or eating to be to be made. And you've been in the game so long, like I'm even though we've been speaking now for five minutes, uh, you must have your standards are incredibly high. Like you expect my, a lot from yourself, I would assume, and then uh, absolutely from my personal taste and perspective, yes. You know, I'm 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 a, I consider myself a connoisseur. Uh, you know, I'm I'm certainly in favor of cannabis-derived terpenes uh, over, let's say, b- botanical or, or food or, or natural terpenes. You know, I meet a ton of people, and we come across people every day, and there's a demand for in Las Vegas and California and other places for uh, a vape pen that tastes like. Uh, strawberries and blueberries and and not necessarily cannabis and so uh, you know we will we will make a a safe uh, product for those people and it's you know uh, just as 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 well as we make you know the connoisseurs product that's what's up Ooh, count me in (laughs) (laughs) I I really don't want anything that tastes like strawberries or blueberries but I am interested in the sort of like uh, consumer demand for it I've watched the cannabis industry come from the sort of illicit underground to then this brand new huge market uh, who are those people who don't love cannabis necessarily? Are they the newer consumers who don't really know about weed? 100%. Right. Yeah, I think these are the entry-level consumers. I think there's going to be an education component to cannabis terpenes and, and ultimately the ex, you know exploring them and discovering them and realizing why they're more expensive than the products that you'll be able to buy that don't have cannabis terpenes in them. Mm-hmm. And so I think, uh, yeah, it's an educational piece. It's an acquired taste, right? I think there's... Uh, there's going to be a whole connoisseur's market for those that that do appreciate it and love it like us right and then there's going to be others that I think are they love Arbor Mist exactly and they're just looking (laughs) for uh, you know a a flavored a flavored alternative a light you know a light alternative you're seeing a lot of that in the micro dosing and the light dose stuff as well um, where you know people are uh, a lot of new brands and, and people coming into the space are actually trying to think of ways to really mask the cannabis flavoring and taste and and you know add a, a fruit flavoring or formulation to it and so uh again i believe there's there's something for everyone and sure. so there these there's going to be products on both sides what was your first failure in business because you strike me as like a entrepreneur to the core uh, you know, I've failed uh, a, f- a few times in business. The, I think one one that was was significant. Um, you know, pr- uh, prior to my father passing, was uh, we tried to take on a social gaming platform, uh, and it was it was casino games, and we were we were kind of riding on this idea that uh, we thought online gaming was going to legalize maybe in the same tune or fashion that cannabis was, and it was going to happen faster. And oh, sure. We making some bets and plays around that. And that didn't didn't really work out. And, yeah. you know, online gaming and casino gaming didn't didn't legalize in the fashion we were thinking. We weren't able to get brands and real brands to want to join that platform. And mm-hmm. so, you know, a, a, an experience like that where, where there was a lot of opportunity, but it didn't work out, I think helped prepare me for for the the later opportunities and things like you know building helping build MedMen uh, and helping entrepreneurs like burner deal with their you know navigate the capital markets for cookies yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know helping companies like gpen through their cap raise and things like that so I think figure you know um, that earlier experience has, has definitely been something that paid off uh, and yeah. I can look back on uh, and try not to make some of the same mistakes and sure well was the was the idea of 
these people not wanting to come on to the online gaming because they didn't want to be associated with gambling. And Correct, they yeah. So it's kind of the same as where we're at in cannabis right now, where like, I can't get my TV show on the air because Toyota doesn't want to sell commercials yet for, for my, a, for my cannabis great content. cannabis idea. Right. Yeah. And so what an interesting time to be in right now where you maybe like, I mean, I'm bumping up to, into that very thing. But we're changing it and it's evolving now. I mean, we're seeing cannabis advertisers slowly like come into the market and yeah. California, especially now with, you know, amazing billboards and, and like spreads in mainstream magazines and, you know, big brands are at buying space in cannabis media companies. Yeah, I think, I think CBD is going to be an excellent entry point for a lot of large corporations and brands especially once the FDA makes their decision and rules on on how excuse me edibles and beverages can be consumed mm. uh, so I, I think that's going to be massive um, I also believe that large a lot of mainstream big-box retailers um, you know the obviously you've seen the movements of CVS and now you know Kroger's and other big-box retailers that are looking to start carrying CBD products I, I think that will be just the tip of the kind of the spear and behind that will ultimately one day lead to cannabis being sold in mainstream retail outlets. Um, I think that's, that's something that's likely inevitable. It's exciting. Um, the question, yeah, and it is as an advocate first and foremost, and somebody that believes that this plant should be accessible to everyone. Uh, you know, it's a safe alternative. It's a safe alternative to relax and to, to, to take away stress, to, to help yourself sleep or to relieve pain. And I think that it should be accessible uh, to everyone um, and certainly not restricted any more than alcohol. No. I'm a you know, big believer in on-site consumption. I think on-site consumption is going to be a huge part of the future and it yeah. should, you know, cannabis should be served behind the bar, um, you know, alongside alcohol. And I, I hope that, that one day there'll be a permit that, that companies or, or liquor licenses can apply for to be able to serve cannabis beverages alongside uh, alcohol. What do you recommend for people who you're talking to who are new to the cannabis industry as far as uh, supporting criminal, criminal justice reform goes and sort of being active as a, uh, a force to really move everything toward federal legalization? I mean, because there are so many executives entering the space who have money, and I feel like we still need to talk to them about the law. 100%. So it's been a huge part. I mean, create, changing the law has been imperative for every opportunity that I've had along the way in cannabis. And whether it was with MedMen originally and the money that we gave to MPP um, and, and tried to you know force and change laws in a number of states where I think we were successful. That's the Marijuana and, Policy Project? Correct. Yeah, Marijuana Policy Project. And then looking today, like, you know, I've also happened to have the fortune of knowing Weldon Angelos, uh, you know, from Mission Green and his project. And I'm going to be working with, with him and potentially joining that board there but you know that that you know his story and getting that story out there so that people understand that people are going to jail for cannabis um, you know of course it's it's disproportionately affected minorities um, in, in a way that is you know really really unfair and so I think it's it's about making sure that that stops now and doesn't continue to happen to people where in some parts of this country it still is um, and then it, of course it's also about figuring out how to create opportunity for those that have been displaced right and within this new industry and you know we're seeing a lot of different structures for social equity programs and i think it's important we find ones that are sustainable um, and that are not going to be manipulated uh, but actually, in fact, do create opportunity, they create jobs, and they create the kind of jobs that are going to, again, land um, for those that have been you know, disproportionately affected by this. And when you talk about social equity programs being manipulated, do you mean that uh, people who, who are gaining these access to social equity are then having people come in and sort of try to take the business from them? Or can, you, can you break that down a little for us? Yeah, I think, 
I think that because of how limited licensing is in cannabis and how much of a demand there is to control those licenses and for how, you know, the businesses and corporations that are pursuing them, I think there's uh, a lot of, of room for manipulation and room for people to try to, you know, uh, take advantage of social equity applicants. And, mm-hmm. and I'll just kind of leave it at that, sure. you know, but I think there's, uh, you know, there in you know, it's going to be very interesting. It's fascinating to see if you look at Los Angeles, for example, where, you know, the only licenses that it looks like are going to be issued um, in Los Angeles for the next couple of years are going to be these social equity licenses that uh, we're currently waiting on them to to, to score today. Um, and so I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with those and if they're um, ultimately allowed to trade hands and mm-hmm. if we see a lot of activity in, uh, around those licenses, uh, trading hands is, is kind of all very interesting to watch what would be ideal for you like if you if it was just like fix it like do you have do you have ideas that you're looking forward to possibly trying to implement where you're like i think i have the answer to to a lot of you know things in the world i think think when it comes to the 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 how to perfect a social equity program as far as future opportunity it's really difficult and that's why no one has the right answer there's a lot of people trying a lot of different things um when i think it goes when it goes to to looking backwards i think it's very simple i think we need to treat it as if cannabis should never have been illegal in the first place well that's interesting so i i think we look at the law as being a mistake in a in a misjudgment and i think we need to do everything in our power to try to you know Anyone that's in jail for marijuana, we should try to move, uh, you know, uh, out of jail and, and they should be, you know, th- their crime should be removed from their record in some capacity if, if possible. I think, you know, things like that we need to think of that really, um, you know, take a hard look at, at what, you know, the people that have been affected by it in the past that are still potentially sitting in a jail cell, which is something, you know, really, really difficult to to think about, right? Because we're all here at a conference, you know, talking about marijuana. People are smoking marijuana outside freely. You know, people are exchanging, I don't know what could be argued as hundreds of thousands of marijuana today, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth between, you know, people and leaving with it. And so I think, it, you know, for, for, for us, it's important to remember that, that there are people that are still negatively affected by this and the war on drugs have, have you know, does have victims uh, and it's important not to forget them. Fucking right. Mic drop on that. Yeah, Absolutely. bit of a mic drop. We need like a sound effect. Can, where we, it's just like, can we talk food a little bit? This is a weed and grub is our podcast. So we smoke Absolutely. and snack. And I'd love to know about what your relationship to food and like cannabis edibles. Do you enjoy eating weed uh, with your food or in you your know, food? Or I am thrilled for, you know, the movement we're seeing towards microdosing in cannabis edibles, because I think in the past, cannabis edibles have been slightly unpredictable and, and t- typically overdosed. Right. Um, it, the even, goo even for even for, a, even for a very sophisticated connoisseur and smoker, I just felt that it was often unpredictable as to, you know, the, the time it would take to affect you, uh, how long you'd feel it, um, you know, slightly sluggish, you know. And so I, I, I've tended, tended to prefer you know, smoking um, or vapor, vaporizing or other, you know, other forms. Um, You've had your uncomfortable experience where you were like, oh, no, it's, oh, it's too much. I think at this point it's safe to say I've had a few, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and a few different cases where I think somebody's told me, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I won't, I'll leave them nameless, but, you know, they give, they give you a gummy, they tell you it's, you know, two milligrams or that, you know, and then they, somebody else asks them for a gummy and they say, well, how many, how many milligrams is it? And he says, well, how many do you want it to be? You know, and I'm oh. just like, 
oh, like, yeah. You have those experiences, <laughs> right? Where you're like, you didn't. Oh, gosh. Um, right. But but I think, um, you know, again, we're seeing great products, right? That are, you know, whether it's brands like Kiva and their mints at two and a half milligrams. And, Delicious. You know, things that are really, really good that people can, that they can trust the dosing. They start to trust the brand. Uh, and, and I think things like that have, have kind of shifted my take on edibles a little bit. And um, I am extremely bullish on beverage uh, for the future. And nice. I believe that, you know, there's a lot of innovation left relative to, of course, the, the water solubility and the bioavailability and all the things that are going to make that beverage uh, take take effect much faster yeah right. and i think that's that's uh it'll a, almost become a sublingual or sort of right, like that experience I, right i think so and i think i think there's just a ton of uh, opportunity there i think we are all attracted to the ritual of of of, of a drink yeah. and and are used to doing that socially and so i think that's a huge opportunity i think it's a huge opportunity to replace alcohol behind the bar uh or at least complement it sure and so i'm 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 extremely bullish on beverage and what that means for the future once on-site consumption becomes more of a reality for for cannabis, you know, really excited for what's about to happen in West Hollywood, yeah. where we're going to see uh, a number of cannabis consumption lounges take place, and they're they're going to be extremely well funded and well, you know, with a lot of resources and great, beautiful design and you know, really cool experiential concepts. And so to see that you know take form in West Hollywood, I believe is going to hopefully set the table and and set an example for a lot of cities to follow mm -hmm. um, and look to, to look to the West Hollywood and the regulations and the way that you know they've successfully launched these lounges and hopefully that will lead you know cities like Las Vegas and yeah you know, and others around the country to uh, reconsider on-site consumption because I thought Vegas had it for a moment and then the strip kind of put the kibosh on it and you know, it was uh it was so close yeah. so close right I, I believe it will come over time in Vegas but in the there's a lot of people working on it, but it's I, it is challenging. Um, the hotels and the casinos, in particular, have not been overly friendly to marijuana, yeah. and I believe that 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 holds that industry and that market back quite a bit. They're um, going to get left behind potentially at the I, end I of the day. I think so, and I think you're going to see more and more cannabis-friendly places emerge, and and they're going to find ways to make you know can, um, the, the properties cannabis-friendly, and hopefully soon one day there will be access to cannabis you know alongside the casino and and near or in in near the casino and hopefully they'll allow delivery on the strip and yes. other things that again i think tourists would really and customers you know would really appreciate yes um and so that's you know things that we'll, we'll continue to try to lobby for to make possible you just made me envision the emerald strip you know, like a maybe alongside or north or south of the actual strip. And then there's like, well, there, you can actually go over here and the enjoy Emerald your cannabis. Strip. Yeah, like maybe where this Fremont Street experience is, that kind of area. Oh, that, that would be, be really great. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Canadian and I uh, am really interested in uh, how the Canadian investors are coming here to the U.S. because they're finding an ability to um, spend their money in, in the U.S. markets in a way that they're not able to in Canada. Can you talk a little bit about as an American uh, cannabis investor and executive, how you see the difference between the two markets and, and how they're playing out? Sure. I, I think, you know, Canada, obviously, as the first country to legalize cannabis officially, um, you know, did a lot of things for the cannabis business. And, and one of those things was by having it be federally legal, mm -hmm. their stock exchanges were allowed to uh, trade cannabis businesses and were allowed to uh, you know, bring in institutional capital into cannabis for the first time, creating, you know, the real first kind of boom in, in cannabis businesses. Um, the licensed producer network in Canada, unfortunately, in my opinion, is going to be 
dramatically uh, overproduced, right? You're going to have a lot of cannabis and not as many places to distribute cannabis. The, the entire country of Canada is probably smaller than the market here in California, for example. Um, and you've got quite a bit of cannabis being produced. Uh, and then on top of that, the regulations in Canada don't allow for branding. Um, they're very restrictive there. And, they're, and the, the way that the pricing is going to be set is going to be difficult to compete with the black market. And so they've, they've done a lot of things to really handicap the program up in Canada, which is why my company, for example, doesn't look at Canada as a potential target for a place that we want to actually operate. Um, because you wouldn't be able to release your products as branded products, right? Correct. Yeah, we would not be able to to, to do feature the branded products, and and also again the the potential overproduction there is is something that we would take a, a close look at as well. Mm-hmm. So investment wise, it's a good model, but product wise and sort of business wise, it's yeah. not necessarily as well, yeah, successful. It, again, it's also created these these you know really really huge. Um, Company, it's allowed huge companies from other spaces like uh, alcohol and tobacco to to take very serious bets into cannabis and use those Canadian companies as vehicles now to potentially invest in the in American cannabis, for example. Mm-hmm. So I believe the second that you see the states' rights bill pass, mm-hmm. um, you're going to see you know the gloves off if you will and all of these canadian lps some of them have billions of dollars in cash a lot of them with hundreds of millions uh, are going to now look to american cannabis to invest and they're going to to look to buy brands they're going to look to buy licenses production manufacturing retail uh, all of the above right and so i think that's something that's going to going to take place hopefully you know, 2020s, maybe potentially out into 2021. Mm. Um, I'm a believer that we still might see something significant happen ahead of the elections. Wow. Um, you know, I think it might be a strong political move um, from either side, right, to support cannabis in a meaningful way and try to actually help, you know, progress something, whether that be the banking bill or whatever it might be. Yeah, that would be a big shot to take and it'd be the right shot to take. It feels like an election year move. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Put that in the air. <clears throat> Yeah. Love that. Um, we're winding up. Yep. And it would just be great if you could just share where everybody can find you. Everybody can like follow you on Instagram. Oh, and you have one more question. Well, I just wanted to say, and your wish for 2020. What you, yeah. If it could be anything, what would you have happen? Um, again, you know, as much as I'd like to see you know, full legalization. I think, you know, something really take going back into what we talked about around uh, criminal justice reform and making sure that no one else is locked up for cannabis and the people that have been locked up for cannabis are, are given a path to, to no longer being locked up for cannabis. I think that things like that would be really amazing to see. And I think the whole industry is at kind of a pivotal point um, where we can continue to support those causes and make sure that they, they don't get forgotten. Do you have any uh, agencies or charities or organizations that you direct people to specifically? Normal and other, you know, uh, MPP, obviously. I, I think they're all great, right? Okay. And MPP's been great. Normal's been great. Um, Give a shout out to Betty and SSDP. The Students for Sensible you know, Drug Policies have has been a really great organization. Um, I think, uh, you know, what Weldon's trying to accomplish with Mission Green is really special. Again, you know, they're raising money directly to focus on this and focus on, you know, not forgetting those that are still, uh, you know, in incarcerated. So I think, you know, groups like that, um, groups like Reform, uh, I don't know, you've seen that, you know, group that, you know, uh, Jay-Z and Van Jones and, and some others that are, you know, involved with that are f- highly focused on criminal justice reform. Yeah. Um, you know, these organizations, I think, are great to support uh, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll make continue to make progress. And I, I really feel like there's one out there for everyone, depending on your particular, you know, affinity for, you know, what you want to see happen in cannabis. There's cage-free cannabis. There's... Um, 
the national bailout uh, organization. Oh, yeah. There are just several. There are lots of ways to attack it and give your money to support legalizing Absolutely. cannabis and criminal justice reform. There so, sure are. Yeah. I mean, even even some law firms you're seeing locally that are just holding these expungement clinics and, yeah. and things like that that can really make a difference on a, on a very, you know, a local level, on a, you know, on an individual, you know, personalized basis, right? And so, like, th- those groups are really great to support as well. Fucking cool. It's great to talk to you about business and then also talk about how to help change the world in the right way as this business grows. Yeah. This is really, really awesome. fantastic. Well, thank um, you for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come here and talk about, you know, cannabis and, and the companies that I work with and the brands that I love. Um, so thank you guys for having me and, and okay. I appreciate it. We'll add links to them in this episode. So anybody listening, please make sure when you go to the description, we'll have links to everything Check we've chatted notes. about. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. And Wonderful. if you'd like to follow us, we are at Weed and Grub on Instagram or go to weedandgrub.com to check out more on our website. Leave a five-star review. Leave a bunch of comments under those reviews if if you like and tell a bud thank you thank you thank you thank you guys